Sorry, my laptop screwed up. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Teen It Up. I'm your host, Connor. I'm here, as always, on a Monday evening with my good friend, Vladdy, here to talk about the minimal sports of August as we uh, approach the fall here and get into our favorite time of the year, football season. Uh, another August Monday. What's going on, dude? Um, Not much. Uh, had my car's check engine light go on. Had to deal with that. Um first couple places I called didn't have the actual proper code scanner to deal with it. So it's still an ongoing issue, but actually in bigger news that kind of involved both of us, I was one half of the first ever Spartan invitational winners this past weekend where um, our good friend Easton and I decided to take you and Nick to the cleaners and beat you in a couple of rounds of golf. So I'm yeah. Doing good. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, great, Great time up north. There's some beautiful golf in northern Michigan to be had. Um, it's something that I would like to do annually, and kind of this is off-the-cuff whim. So it just had the four of us. It's something that I would like to expand to, you know, 8, 12 people. You know, as the years go on, people, you know, want to play and want to take some time off, uh, get a boys' trip in. Um, but, yeah, as a loser, I mean, I'll admit I was horrible the whole weekend. Um, I shot 110, which is my worst score of the year by a good seven strokes um, Saturday morning to get that loss. And then wasn't really any better in the scramble that we did to decide it. Uh, I put a ball almost into the parking lot on the ninth hole, which was the final hole of the competition. So that's just not going to get it done. And I don't think uh, no matter how high your candy handicap is, that's not going to get it done in a golf match, uh, which which was sad after we kind of won on 18 on Friday um, and around where I, I mean, a tougher course shot of played a solid back nine. Like everything was kind of working. I drove the ball real well. And then I don't think I put a ball in play off the tee box in the second two rounds. So uh, just a weird weekend for me and that congrats again. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, let's kind of get into, like you just said, the minimal sports, the, the kind of the one month where we're, dreading the return of the the NFL and college football. So we're with one of the three things that we actually have planned. Where do you want to start? Uh, let's start with the uh, Juan Soto trade. Then we can go into just football talk the rest of it. Uh, so last week we touched a lot on the deadline. I went over some of the major trades. We didn't get too analytical on it. Um, I, to be honest, I don't, as much as I'm more of the baseball person, I don't pay enough attention um, to baseball these days, especially this time of year, more of an October guy. Uh, during the week when football's not on kind of fan these days. But uh, the biggest trade of the entire millennial, I think, went on right after we got off. Is, that, my... that, is that that big? Is... Uh, it's just so unprecedented that a guy is so young. Um, Bigger than Cabrera to the uh, Tigers? Um, oof, that's pretty big, actually, because he was what? What year was that? 08? 08, I think. He was probably about a similar age, maybe a year older. 38, so that was 14. Yeah, he was 24, 25 when that went on, so I guess that's pretty – and Dontrell Willis was like legit, like number one, number two starter at the time of the trade. It didn't really work out that way. He had a lot of arm issues once he got over here and was never good, really, and career kind of faded out within the next few years. Mm-hmm. But anyway, one of the biggest trades in the history of baseball went on. Juan Soto was dealt to the San Diego Padres, who now – uh, when you're looking at it, it's an interesting deal to me. I'll start off by saying because it doesn't necessarily mean the Padres are going to have him for more than three years. Uh, it's going to be hard to afford afford him with Tatis, Machado, 
on the books already as two of the bigger deals in baseball uh, and a couple of other young prospects that are also going to get big deals. So, I mean, they're good right now, and Soto is able to contribute right now to a playoff team. Um, but I don't know if they're going to be able to sign him for three years to where giving up, you know, they gave up five prospects. Eric Hosmer went to a different team in the deal, uh, even though he's kind of dead weight at this point. Uh, that, that, that necessarily was worth it. Uh, so I'll read off the prospects from the deal. They are Mackenzie Gore, which is the one I really recognized. Uh, he's a legit stud. He was our graduating class and was like the number two or three pitcher in our grade. Big lefty, high, mid to high 90s, weird motion, all the nine yards. Quit has made it per- relatively quickly to the majors. The major league numbers don't wow you right now, but he is a legit probably top five prospect in their organization. Yep. Outfielder Robert H- Hazel the third, shortstop C.J. Abrams. Outfielder James Wood and right-handed pitcher Harlan Susana. Uh, Washington would also get uh, Luke Voigt in the deal. Another also veteran player who's kind of had a good career, but is on his way out at this point. Um, So you did did mention kind of the money thing. Obviously, given there's like a very like, there's there kind of really is a salary cap. Who's the Padres owner? Is it someone who would be willing to try and spend stupid money? Or would you be, or would you think with two guys already on kind of mega deals that adding a third is, is really kind of even pushing past the Yankees and Dodgers levels of spending? It, 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 it would, it would be to the Yankees level, if not more Yankees and Dodgers level, if not more. Um, the Dodgers obviously have, I mean, when Trevor Bauer is back from his suspension of his contract, Kershaw no longer on that big of a deal, but on a big, big, somewhat large deal. Scherzer is one of the highest paid players in baseball. Mookie Betts is highly paid. Freddie Freeman just signed a giant deal. Like, I don't think it puts them to the level of the Yankees or Dodgers. Or I think it, sorry, I think it would put them to the Yankees or levels of the Dodgers, but I don't think any team is willing to do that. uh, That is not called those two teams. Maybe the Mets. Okay. I just like I I don't see. I see someone being able to offer him more in three years. Is more my point. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have so many max deals on the book, and like San Diego is still like many games behind the Dodgers. I believe I'll look at the standings here real quickly. Um, just. Give me a second here. Yeah, but I also do That's feel great. like baseball is kind of one of those sports where, I mean, I guess all of them are like that. But uh, baseball, you can get hot. Maybe kind of like you kind of mentioned uh, kind of a couple months ago with hockey. Is baseball, you get hot. You maybe you get a couple favorable matchups in the playoffs with pitching with pitching uh, matchups, and you, you win a couple games, steal a game on the third row, and then you find yourself in the World Series. So I guess. They might be behind him record-wise, but do you think that this gives them maybe a better chance of closing that gap that the record apparently shows there is between the teams? Yeah, I mean, they're 15 and a half games behind the Dodgers. I still don't think they're near anywhere near the Dodgers right now uh, in the NL. The Dodgers and Yankees, I mean, given like I know they have baseball so different because it is like it's that age-old money ball thing where the A's were, were a good regular season team for so long because analytics works a lot of times when it's such a long 162 game year and there's a large sample size to be analytical about. And then the playoffs, the ALDS is, is best of five. So like it comes down to, you know, one, two, three games to move on to an ALCS or even a a four to win a world to go to the world series. 
in that when you play 162 games annually and then go to these every pitch, every out counts in the playoffs, analytics don't mean quite as much. Um, so I know that some of these teams are flawed analytically, but it, especially the Yankees, I see a lot of things all, all the time as a Yankees fan about how they're very flawed come playoff time. Um, I still think once that staff gets healthy, they're just going to be so hard to beat. And unfortunately, they also have the Astros there that are really good. But uh, San Diego is currently in that last playoff spot right now. They're the third wild card team. Um, yeah, and the Brewers are only one and a half back, and that's pretty much their only competitor right now. So they're not even guaranteed. I mean, they're sixty-one and fifty. They're not even guaranteed a playoff spot. I think this guarantees them one of the wild card spots for sure now. I don't necessarily think it makes them a win now team. Granted, Tatis hasn't played all year. Um, and he he I believe he's supposed to come back sometime this month if he hasn't already came back. So that's kind of my outlook on the Soto trade. I don't know if there's anything you wanted to add real quickly before we get into football. No, I was actually just gonna say, um, do we kind of want to start with kind of the, the college poll that dropped today and then work our way to the NFL later? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah. So um, yeah, the, the the college the college uh, coaches poll dropped uh, today. I'll kind of read down maybe the top ten, and then maybe we can pick out some notables after that. You had Alabama one, Ohio State two, Georgia three, Clemson four, Notre Dame five, Michigan six, Texas A&M seven, Utah eight, Oklahoma nine, and Baylor ten. Kind of rounding out that that top ten right there. Uh, just quick notes for me on that top ten. Uh, one through. Th- Four, I mean, hard to argue. I mean, I think you could probably put them in any order um, to start. I mean, since we haven't seen them play a game, we can only project off what we saw last year and who they have returning. Um, Five, Notre Dame, I think is a bit surprising with a new coach uh, and a kind of down year in recruiting for them. I thought they're – aren't they number two in the country right now? Or is that for 2022 and they're good in 2023? I mean, I, th- I I thought they had 2022 was kind of a down year for them, and the, because a lot of kid, kids followed Brian Kelly down. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'm looking. I, I do think I see saw Notre Dame highly somewhere. Like again, Marcus Freeman, the new head coach, was picked uh, not picking it up, but keeping it kind of rolling the way Brian Kelly did. But maybe I am thinking of 23, not 22. Uh, I mean, let's here. Let's look at recruiting rankings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I guess while you looked at, I'll kind of. I honestly, I thought the list as a whole was fair. Um, you kind of, like you mentioned, is this is a preseason list. No one's seen these teams play where we are going off of the guys that played last year that are coming back. And because of that reason, I understand why Alabama and Ohio State are ahead of Georgia, even though Georgia just won a title. Georgia lost, I think, five, six, maybe seven players of that incredible defense. That's right. tough to replicate. Um, George Pickens is gone. Not that he replayed much during the year. They had that. Tr- they had the wide receiver. I think Jermaine Burton is his name, transferred to Alabama, actually. So Georgia lost some pieces. However, they are still Georgia. They've got more talent, blue chip per per player than every other team in the country, I think, even Alabama at this point. Um, Clemson at four, I'm actually, like, even after their quote-unquote down year where they still won 10 games, I think that's perfectly fair. I mean, y- you kind of, you lost both. I think you lost both. You lost an assistant, but you kind of play in a weaker ACC and you do have year two of a quarterback. You have year two of what was a terrible offensive line. So you hope they get a little bit better. So I, I, I really don't see any issues. I think the list as a whole is incredibly fair. 
Yeah, Notre Dame looked it up seventh best recruiting class in the country, so it was very good recruiting. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I see it's so hard to. I mean, we'll we'll d- dive deep deeper into each team a little more come season time. Um, but I mean, I don't know anything really about Utah other than that they lost Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, and I, I'm assuming they have a lot of their roster back if they're that high. Uh, Oklahoma and Baylor seem about right. I, I think from what I've seen, this they they do have a lot of people coming back, even though uh, obviously Oklahoma lost some talent to USC. Um, so that's um, that's a ten. Yeah. So I guess um speaking of top ten, I mean again Michigan at six, nothing wrong with that. You can, you do kind of lose both your like first round or what should have been two first round pick defensive ends. Um, but, but apparently they kind of, they do bring back a deeper now defense, which I don't know if that's always the best thing. Sometimes the talent does kind of come through. So I think that defense is going to be significantly worse. I think the offense is significantly better for Michigan and in but, turn there, in turn, they're about the same team. As yeah, no, I mean, you get, you get Ronnie Bell back after that, uh, was the ACL or the Achilles. I forgot what yeah. it was in week one. Um, I guess the, the other local team, they had Michigan state at 14 thoughts on that. Um, I think it's fair based on, I mean, obviously a lot of it has to do with how you finished last year in the preseason yep. because there's just so many unknowns. Um, and I think that's where Michigan state belongs kind of in a preseason poll. I think this team is a fringe ranked team. I see them being maybe ranked at the end of the year. Maybe not. I see them as maybe a three loss team, um, possibly four. And, you know, really good ceiling would probably be a two-loss team this year. I don't think it's the same firepower. Obviously, Kenneth Walker's no longer there. Um, you still have the Jaden Reed and Peyton Thorne who went to high school together, in case you didn't know. Um, it's basically the same fact, you know, in the Midwest as the Clayton Kershaw and Matthew Stafford went to high school together. Yeah. Basically the same thing for college football fans in the Midwest. Um, but anyways – Besides the point, Michigan State, I'll go into them more in a couple weeks. The schedule is much harder. Uh, I think you are a little more less of a hype factor this year than last year was. And this this total turnaround from a two and five team to this team that was a legit top, you know, 12 to 15 team in the country last year. Uh, And I do think a lot of that played into that you beat Michigan and your schedule was easy. Compared to this year, at least in my opinion. Yeah, so, I, go ahead. I I kind of agree in the sense um, with this. I mean, I I don't think the schedule is much tougher. Like, yeah, you're gonna substitute. You're like you're getting Wisconsin in, in the crossover game this year, which is never fun. But I also do think you're not playing at Miami. I think at Washington as a non-conference game is much easier. You're not dealing with the elements. Washington's coming off of a terrible year. Um, yeah, but that that Miami team was horrible. I, I, I mean, yes, Miami is. I think they went pretend- six no, and six. No, they're serial pretenders. But at the same time, you see our guys. We, we had oxygen tanks on in the third quarter. We were right. We, I mean, go, going down they, there in in September. They scheduled us easy. a new. They they scheduled us a noon kickoff. They knew what they were doing. They're like, wait a minute, we got these kids from the north. Let's bring them down and let's run them into the ground in ninety five, one hundred degree weather. So, again, I. At getting Wisconsin's never fun in the crossover. Um, the one thing I, w- I did want to mention is I, I'm pretty sure if I saw it correctly, Michigan State was like six and one or seven and one last year in one score games, and that's very hard to replicate. 
Like, that's mm. one bounce of the ball the other way, and you've lost that game. So the fact that they played so many close games and got so lucky to get that inflated record does kind of worry me a little bit. I think I'm kind of in your boat where I'm, we're, we're probably looking at a 9-3, and 8-4 and four team. But, again... Uh, and, and, cut you off here. It's so interesting you say the one-loss thing. Uh, like, Nebraska was 3-9, and nine, and I believe all nine of theirs were... One loss, probably. maybe not. Maybe not one possession games, but single digit losses were all yeah. nine losses. Yeah, no, it works no, both no, ways. No. Very oh, quickly. absolutely. Does. I'm, and the other thing for Nebraska to kind of go forward is it's hard to lose all those games again. So you can kind of look forward and say we were we might have had a shit record, but we were close. We we competed mm-hmm. in games. If we knew how to cover a punt return, we'd have beat Michigan State. If you remember that, where we sent two guys back in. I don't know if it was Naylor and Reed or whoever it was exactly, but you had one guy sitting there waving fair, catch the balls, not even over there, and every Nebraska player collapsed on him. Meanwhile, actually, I think it was Reed who ended up catching the ball. Reed goes backwards, makes a catch, and I think he eludes like the, the punter because he was the only guy who kind of saw where the ball actually ended up. All right. Um, so I think that's good for Michigan State for now. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, like I'm you said. Into it more we'll, later. Uh, I don't know. Looking at the rest of the list, USC, I think, is that. I mean, that's purely hype factor. Uh, obviously, they have an experienced quarterback now in Caleb Williams. who's. They also outed. brought in um, Jordan Addison from Pittsburgh, the, the Boletnikoff winner from last year. So, again, obviously, there's the hype factor of Lincoln Riley, but he also did bring in some transfers with him. And when you play in the Pac-12, which is a largely anemic conference, Oregon just lost their head coach, so you can expect them to, to also regress. Which I they're actually, at 12. Yeah, Oregon at 12. I also – I don't necessarily hate USC. I don't – I don't really – again, I think it was a very fair list. Like, usually you kind of have that one, like, kind of collective most fans are up in arms except for the one team that maybe got lucky with something that the coaches saw. So see, I actually think there are a couple on here that you could go up and I mean, Pittsburgh, that's purely last year's hype. No Kenny Pickett. They're not a top 25 team this year. Miami, like you said, serial pretenders. I know they have the new coach, Uh, Texas, like they're ranked, they're put in every preseason poll. I get that, but the only the issue year. is who are you going to put in ahead of them? Like if you go down to Penn like, State, not in it. Tennessee, not in it. Better team last year. Auburn, not in it. Also a better team last year. I mean, didn't uh, those are probably the only. Th- I, I mean, Iowa. Iowa not on there. Those yeah, are Iowa not on there. Brother. But again, the other thing is that also just depends on – I'm not going to sit here and tell you I follow Iowa football. We don't know what they lost. Iowa kind of is on that four-year cycle where Kirk Ferentz builds up every four years and will go play for a playoff appearance chance. And then he do- drives drops down. And maybe last year and in the Big Ten title, I don't know what their exact record was at the time, but I want to say they were a one-loss Nine team. Nine and three? I thought they – Really? I maybe I'm again maybe I'm mistaken, but I I do I do feel like that that the Iowa thing's kind of like the cyclical build for every fourth year or every third year where you can kind of feed off Kinnick Stadium and you can use your you can use your experienced players and put in a season where you have that off off chance of kind of falling into the playoff. Uh, I was ten and four last year. Oh boy! So I'm assuming that means they lost their bowl game and lost to Michigan. So what? Ten and two. Ten and two. Yeah. I mean that's that's fair. Again, 
I don't know. I I feel like we should save we should save most of this conversation for I guess two weeks from now when we do the kind of the deeper dive in college football. Um, let's kind of let's go to the NFL. Um, the the news that's changed in the NFL in the, over the last week was the Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson was finally given a uh, today, Junior. <laughs> no, I just had a stroke mid mid sentence. But Deshaun Watson was finally given his suspension of six games by uh by the the former federal judge um i think most can agree it was a pretty light suspension um the one thing i did kind of pick out that i noticed was she claimed to she she claimed to have used the league's own rules when making this decision and then i think he was suspended when we talked about it last i think the the ruling was out was it I thought we were talking about hypotheticals. Uh, maybe we were. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, um, so she claimed to have used the league's own rules, which if that's actually the case, the league is saying by appealing this suspension, they are saying, well, we don't, we don't care about our own rules. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's such a, it's such a stupid situation. Yeah. I think, I think you're seeing how kind of ridiculous uh, the NFL can be. I mean, not necessarily like disagreeing that the NFL wanting him to be suspended a full year is wrong. Um, like I said, I think last week, I think that's the my off the cuff punishment would be the full season. Um, but the idea that in the 2020 CBA, the NFL has the right to basically appeal to then pick who they want the arbitrator to be, or sorry, the arbitrator, that'd be a completely different situation. Arbiter. Or, I don't even. It's not arbitration, though. It's it's like our arbitration is like a contract. Is like when you can't decide on like a contract. Whatever. Same thing. I'm sure. Uh, anyways, the NFL can kind of pick their person that they want to be making this uh, appeals decision. Who then they can obviously, hopefully, get the um, the ruling they're looking on. for. And from what I've heard, is uh, at least a year, maybe even more. It's interesting to see how it plays out. Because as long as there's an, an appeal going on, I mean, I'm sure they'll try and rush the decision quickly. Obviously, Deshaun Watson has the right to then sue uh, the decision and make a lawsuit out of that, which, I mean, isn't it just crazy that we can just like go back and forth like this no, forever? No, yeah, this but anyways, he could be playing the entire time is more my, my end point here. Yep. Um, which just it, – it's just so funny because we're in training camp now and there's really no end – in the predictability of when Deshaun Watson will play, if he'll play um, any of it, really. Yeah. Again, I, I, I did want to say I was, I was listening to some other, other people talk about this, and they, they did make uh, one interesting point, which was if you agreed in, like, the, both sides agreed in the CBA that there would be a mutually decided, impartial, respected person who, you can say they made their decision. We respect that person and we're going to abide by that. Now, obviously you have the NFL keeping rank in the back pocket, what we mentioned with the appeal, but why in the very first time that you have the opportunity, not opportunity, because I say that like, it's a good thing. The very first time that it, it's resorted to come down to a median person and they make their ruling, you then turn around and say, well, I don't agree with you. I'm going to go install my own guy. Because in my opinion, I think that in their minds, that 
was only there to make the PA happen. You didn't get the PA to sign a CBA. But the, but the PA is not stupid. Give them power. The PA knows if you're if you're if you're going to keep this big back thing in the pocket, we know that you're going to end up using it when you need to because you're you're effectively actually giving up nothing. And no, I also, because unfortunately, I don't think the PA has that much leverage in that. There's no like the. That that's actually that's the that they got had an individual ar- arbitrator at first is is a, a step in the right direction for them. Um, it was actually just the NFL making those decisions, and that this was, and, and I think that's why you saw this, put that pit statement out Sunday afternoon or last Sunday afternoon, basically begging the league to not to respect the opinion that, that like this is what the, it was agreed upon, um, and that you know it, it's a decision that. There was a lot of thought gone into it, and obviously, you're not gonna. You're only gonna say that if you're okay with the situation. Yeah, I, I get. But it. I think that's why you. Yeah, no, I think you hit it just there. It was they would not have released that statement if they didn't kind of know that it was going to be short. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's. It, I think it's. It, I don't think it's. A, I don't. I think it's a no-win situation in the sense that at some point there needs to be a limit of what you can or can't do as a sports organizations where when you start straddling this line of I'm going to enforce my own criminal justice system I, I think there is a slippery slope there on from the NFL standpoint at the same time that suspension was incredibly light I don't like and there was a very vague explanation of what why it was it came down to only six games Right, a very just, confusing one too. Yeah. Like it was, it was, it was saying so many words when none of them actually mean anything. It was one of those. Let me get to the one thousand word count essay that I have. Right. I, 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 I just think the entire situation was stupid. I don't think there was. I don't think there was a win there. As a matter of fact, I think the NFL maybe if they, not that this is a great way of looking at it, but maybe if they looked at it and said they could have used it as an out almost and said, well, we wanted more. But this is what the guy that this is what the actual criminal justice. This is what a former federal judge. This wasn't. This wasn't you going down to your local grocery store picking someone out of the crowd and saying, "Well, you're going to make this decision for me." Right. Yeah, I, I I agree with everything you just said, and kind of just to reiterate, it's just it's just crazy that we got a ruling, we got a suspension, and we still know nothing uh, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think there's odds in um what is it the the Bovadas, your draft kings your fandoms? Do you think they have odds right now of, if Deshaun Watson's going to be a week one starter? I'm sure you can find a bookie that has odds that's, that's somewhere. I doubt like corporations like FanDuel or DraftKings would be willing to put their neck yeah. on something that stupid. Yeah, but I there's going to be some sports bookie in some realm of the United States. <laughs> That has been doing this far before it was legal. That has ads on that. Do you, if if you, do you think he will be a, a week one starter just through the entire, the just through all the backdoor channels that he has to? I actually to do think him? he's going to play game one, and just because of, I don't see any of this going down, and I see him putting up a fight right back with the NFL. If yeah, they do. I, I I agree, and um, I I, I think that. The NFL, as of, as of right now, I think the current standing is they picked their kind of their new arbiter or their I guess their new person to hear this appeal. 
So they're at that stage. I don't know if they're actually going through ongoing hearings or if they've just kind of hit a lull phase. I don't know what the actual status is, but I think we're, what, four weeks away from the start of the season. So if you factor in, they actually have to probably spend, what, maybe a week looking through things. Yeah. So then then they probably give Deshaun a couple days to respond and decide whether or not he wants to sue. And then let's say Deshaun sues, that's when I think it goes into one of those where that's not something you wrap up quickly. That's something where you probably need another week and a half just to figure out who's going to be hearing the suit. You got to start making cases. You got you got to start making this. And I think by the time that all of that rolls around, you're probably right. You are probably looking at October. Deshaun's played three games. I also do think a lot of it also will depend on what this new punishment is. Like if they come in and say, well, we want to give you 10 games and a massive fine. Cause I think I read that's where the NFL and like the owners specifically are pissed off is that the Browns and Deshaun Watson worked their contract so that they wouldn't actually be able to be fined a lot. Mm-hmm. So if they came back with 10 games or 12 games and a massive fine, I also do think he would be more likely to, um, I think he'd be more likely to kind of accept it because it does let him play this year. It minimizes or but probably minimizes his financial damages. Whereas if they give him a year or two years at that point, who cares? I'm fighting that. Yeah. I mean, I, if that rationale makes a lot of sense to me. Like if, if they sat there and said, cause that, that's the word that I think I saw an article. They, they, they wanted to use the word specifically indefinite. If I'm going to sit there and effectively for life ban you, why would I, I not put up a fight? Yeah, exactly. And obviously indefinite wouldn't be for life. He would be able to appeal it next year and then the year after that or whenever they finally decided that he's had enough. But if if that's where it came down to, I'd absolutely appeal that. Oh, the worst case I lose. Oh, no, nothing's changed now. Right. Uh, so, it's, it's like it's a true you have nothing to lose situation. Now, I think that's, that's kind of good on that. You, I just thought about this. Do you, since we're quick here, do you want to do a list? What's the topic? The topic, off the cup, no prep, is the most hateable um, sports franchises. And you can't say, well, each, we'll each pick, we'll each pick three, no, we'll each pick four, and you can't pick someone that the other has picked. Okay, and then this is across the, the four sports? Yeah, this is across the four sports. And then so hateable, I guess hateable and hated are the same exact thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, you want to start? Yeah, I'm going to go with a team that I'm a fan of, the New York Yankees. I think if you're not from New York, you cannot stand it. They bring in players. I mean, endless money. They steal your stars. Yeah, I mean, you mean you had the '90s where they like the the dynasty teams where most of that was homegrown talent, and then Steinbrenner went and fucked. Uh, sorry, I'm 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 watching the Jeter doc right now. I stayed up watching three episodes last night, and then Steinbrenner came in later in his life and basically was like, "Okay, I will spend and steal." Like basically, that's when they went for a Rod. They brought in Sheffield. They brought in, you know, Matsui. That was his rookie year in '05. Like then they went to in '09. They went to Shara, CC Sabathia. Then they really started stealing people. They went each year out towards the end of Derek Jeter's career. Like yeah, they like they have a history of stealing superstars and being willing to spend at whatever cost it takes to keep them. Yep. I know. I have no. I have no issues with that. Um. 
for number, I guess I'm not going to sit here and try and number this because it's off the top of my head and I'm sure I'm going to miss instances. I would probably say I would, I might look at the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, maybe part of it's the envy of the 17 billion titles that they have. Um, maybe part of it is in the current thing is you have LeBron James there. He's not a very liked guy. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, that kind of brings some animosity there. But I just think the I'm going to go, the, I guess I'll go pretty from an envy standpoint that they continuously win. I will go with the LA Lakers. Yeah, I think that a lot of that, uh, I think that a lot of that is that you're either kind of just from the deep roots of the 70s and 80s, is you're either a Celtics or a Lakers, not necessarily fan, but kind of you, you, you side with them. You hate one of them, I think. Yep. Um, so just by the percentages, a lot of people hate the Lakers or it makes the Lakers very hateable. For me, it is the LeBron James effect. Um, at least these past couple of years since he's been there. So I, yeah. I, I like the pick. I think if it wasn't off the cuff, I don't know if they'd be in, in a top four list. Yeah, maybe not. Um, I am going to go with... Hmm. Mm-hmm-hmm. I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh. Baseball. <laughs> They're kind of the A or kind of the A to the Yankees B. Uh, whenever the Yankees spend, the Dodgers say, "Hey, I'll add another dollar sign to that." Uh, yeah, they. I mean, they have just as much of a history of bringing in superstars and not really caring about the dollar amount, not really caring about the luxury tax um, or anything along those lines. I hate them. I really think you only like them if you're a fan of the LA vibe, kind of like the Lakers, uh, or you're a bandwagon. Um, I'm going to go for, and, and I'm, this is going to be purely recency bias. I'm going to go with the Golden State Warriors for what they did with Kevin Durant. Really? I just think, I mean, maybe this is partial. Maybe this has kind of disappeared because Kevin Durant's gone, or maybe people still hold it to him just because he showed up and they kind of suffocated the league for three years. The only reason they didn't complete the three-peat was because they all fell apart. But um, I just think that, they did get lucky in one sense is when those contracts were signed, the, the, like, again, they're, they're bigger players, the Steph, the Clay, and the Draymond, when those guys had signed their deals, they were already locked in before I think it was the 15-16 season when the kind of the salary cap jumped. And that was when everyone was getting stupid money because there was money to spend and you kind of have to be at or near the cap. And I think that allowed them to go spend that massive money on Kevin Durant. It allowed them to break the league. And then I think that people hate the Golden State Warriors for that. Yeah, the the, the Durant age did make them super hateable. But, like, the face of the Warriors dynasty has been Steph Curry, and he's one of the more likable superstars to play basketball. Yeah, no, true. He's, he's but, a very team-friendly guy, love the style. I mean, I, I'm actually very as, – as I say that, I'm a very big, like, Warriors supporter when they go into, like, their deep roots of the playoffs. I, like – I, I love their I love their style of basketball. The running, the running and gutting, shooting from places no one's ever considered shooting from before. The backdoor cuts, the movement. It's just a very pretty basketball to watch. Right. Uh, so my third one, I'm going to go with. A lot of people love it. This is uh, honestly one of the more polarizing teams. America's the, team. 
Yeah, America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. I think if you're not a part of the America's team bandwagon, you can't stand the, the America's team, whatever they are. Haven't been good since the 90s. I'm also like a Giants fan, so I can't stand them in general. Um, Jerry Jones just spending money where it doesn't count, it feels like, just kind of sabotaging himself these past 20 years because uh, they really haven't been relevant at all for a Super Bowl in that time. No, I'm pretty sure they haven't won a playoff game since like '94. Yeah. So they, no, they haven't exactly. gone to the AFC title game. I think. So I think Dak okay. does have a win. Okay. Yeah, that's on. AFC, they, NFC they beat the Lions. They literally beat the Lions. Yeah, I, I'm I'm stupid. They haven't gone to an NFC title game. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Dallas Cowboys is my third team. That's what I was gonna go with. So I'm gonna have to kind of refresh the uh, the old put the put the old thinking cap back on. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, if I'm going to go back to kind of the envy thing, I'm probably going to go with the New England Patriots. And again, this is probably falling off a cliff now just because of the fact that Brady's gone and they're just kind of in a rebuilding like period right now the last two years. But I just think with the Patriots, what they did for 20 years, the I mean, there was literally a, there was literally a joke that the Patriots season didn't actually start until the AFC title game. They were that good. They were always there. They suffocated the AFC for 20 years. Um, I, yeah, it, it's just purely based off how much they win. I don't know. I, I feel like, again, off the top of my head, I feel like it's hard to find something where teams don't really get universally hated unless, unless they win good. a lot. Yeah, unless they're good, unless they win a lot, because that's other teams fans saying, oh, well, you stole this victory from me. Like, I think it's very, very hard for you to do something non-success related to make everybody turn on you the dallas cowboys yeah it's golden knights who are not actually my fourth team i actually thought about i had two teams the vegas knights are hated oh they're so hated i think it's only like the last like year or two uh they're like they're like this like up against the cap team too now that like turns their back on players like this fires coaches like this like has showed no loyalty to players or coaches at all, um, all for but, all for really but, no no like one deep one really deep playoff run. When they made but would couple. the casual non Vegas Gold Knights fan necessarily care what a team's doing? Other like like do, like you you like hockey? Do you care that they don't have loyalty to their players? Like does that really matter that much to you? Uh, I think it's kind of becoming something, and like Jack Eichel is kind of a. An interesting situation. I think he's like, I don't know. I think I think uh, Buffalo handled the neck surgery poorly, and I think if I were him, like I would want to get this the surgery or the operation and see the doctors that I think are going to help my life. You know, outside of hockey, when I'm done with it, but like I think there's like some ego there, and I think they're just kind of they've kind of recruited a team of egos, um, in a sense, uh, and that's kind of how the organizations ran. I think you can just not like how an organization is run, and that, that it's a different kind of hatred. That's fair. It's really a fandom hatred. That's just like a purely just a out pure of pure hatred. Uh, how the way they're actually operated. Yeah, how how they're doing business. That's that's fair. And I, I guess like how other entities do. Yeah. And I'm sure we could go back and, if given our time, we could find more of those kinds of opportunities where a team did something that everyone didn't like, and and it kind of did. I don't want to say taint them because again, I feel, I feel like it's very hard to make multiple people all from from all over the country hate you for anything other than success. 
I actually have my fourth team is one Go of them. The Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, the New York Yankees of hockey, and they have not won a playoff series since the 90s. No, since 2004. Fair enough. Um, they've made the playoffs pretty much every year for the last five years. It might be all five. Um, they spend big money. They don't care about you. They're they're willing to spend the big bucks on the big players. They're a Canada's team. Everyone in Canada secretly loves them. They're they're the big market that you want to play for. The media is all there, and yet year after year they continue to choke. They continue to fail, and it makes me very very happy. And, and so that's I guess that was what I was going to say. Is you're saying now does that make you does that make you hate them or does that make you like laugh at them because you enjoy their misery? No, I enjoy their misery, but like. The Maple Leafs and like Austin Matthews and like like I I, I don't want to say like the privilege. I think that's the wrong I think you're kind of the wrong word and con it's the wrong word in the wrong context I'm using, but it's just like this like obsession and like this like all this access that the Maple Leafs have and like they're they're like these like like bona fide celebrities in Toronto and I just like can't stand it. I, I think, think you just can't stand perfectly that. describe the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, Dak Prescott, the greatest quarterback ever, the fourth round pick turned messiah, and still hasn't done much. It's you like the media that. coverage that, that Trayvon that, Diggs. Oh my God! Exactly interceptions, but fifty touchdowns given up. It's like when media coverage on like the stars and players goes league wide, and like the team is still not good. It's like. Why is this such a polarizing story when this is really irrelevant to the actual course of the league? Yeah. Kind of how I feel about the Maple That's Leafs. fair. The Cowboys. If I, if I have to say something nice about the Cowboys, Micah Parsons is the real deal. Um, if Panay Sewell wasn't there two years ago, I would have loved for him to be a Detroit Lion, but obviously you had to go with the pick that made sense at its spot. Um, I guess I think that's kind of it for me. I don't really have much more to say overall for this episode. You, you kind of got some closing remarks or anything else you want to touch on before we wrap it up? No, man, I'm good. It's always great chatting with you. We'll see you Monday. Uh, hopefully something happens in this. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> hopefully we get, we, we have, I think I was looking at this. We have one more week of like, kind of, I want to say garbage, but one more week of like weird filler kind of basically non-stories turned into stories because we have to talk and then we can start going into deep dives of college football the nfl those actually being played out and then we kind of get into like a golden like six seven eight months of like sports and yeah that's i don't really have much more to say um kind of t- oh, t- everyone, good. yeah peace out peeps bye everybody